This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Escape Hatch, the podcast formerly known as Dune High. This week, Jason's on assignment, so we're joined by Escape Hatch graphic designer, Catcher. It would just be this crazy CGI, like, huge mess. And this is just, like, elegant. And by our unofficial third host, Jonesy Loves Beer. I Listen, I know. Hey, God, if you rein me back like a wild stallion one more time, I'm chomping at the bit. We cover the ultimate dad movie, The Fugitive. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want, and a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. Links are in the show notes. And now, without further ado, The Fugitive. Escape, hatch, Episode two, Jason can't make it. <laughs> He's sure. not here. He is out on assignment uh, and doing the Lord's work. He is. He is a. He, he's out, and and we miss him. And we are waiting anxiously for his return. FYI, he'll be back in two weeks for episode four, Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Okay. Ooh. Hello. So you saved all the good movies for Escape Hatch. Is that is that what I'm getting? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I prefer uh, legacy so, numbering. Doom Pod episode 174. This is 152, as the Lord intended. Ooh, that's yes. right. So it's Escape Hatch 152, and so I had to scramble uh, to backfill uh, Jason for this week, and of course I turned to my tape deck crew, Catcher, Synonauts on hiatus. Um, we haven't we haven't been able to hear you, so we got to get you back behind that mic. Please. Yes. That's all I've ever wanted to do in my life. Please. If, if anyone is out there and they need a desperate co-host, call me. <laughs> He's I'm available. His available. rates are reasonable. Fam and I also were guests on another tape uh, deck recording due to uh, a, a sick as hell scenario from our oh. dear friend, Charles Forsman. Yes. Bless him. Yeah. Those are, of course, are the dulcet tones of third living host of- Escape Hatch, Jonesy loves beer. That's right. Host emeritus, I am on the payroll, <laughs> uh, if only for my benefits. And so I get my one one uh, day a week punch for my retirement. Yes. Uh, so amazing. You guys obviously gifted podcasters. You know, they said it couldn't be done. Delete your account. Jonesy was never going to, you know, be podcasting again. But here he is, you know, his own podcast on Bat and Spider, on Escape Hatch. It's all happening. So then the question becomes, what should we talk about? What movie should we do? Because um, we're putting off the net until Jason can be here. So I, I'm just going to expose some DMs here just for a minute. Here was the journey that we took. It started with Catcher saying, why don't we do John Carter of Mars? And we quickly talked him out of it. I just don't get it. I feel like, I mean, it would have definitely been a Dune Pot. It should have been a Dune Pot episode. It's crazy that it wasn't covered then. It was and one of I'm the just, first requests of somebody wrote in. Thank you. I'm yes. trying to do my part, you know? Then, then we did Broken Arrow. Little John Woo in the house. 
Yeah, but wouldn't you rather just watch Face Off? And you've already done that. So. We did that. Yeah, Ian, Ian, and Soph handled that. Time Cop. Never seen it. Never saw Time Cop. Never seen it. Not a big JCVD guy. Well, allow me to plug Twin Vipers. We'll be covering Time Cop at the end of this year, December. Okay. So you have six months to look forward to our episode <laughs> on Time Cop. Double Team. Is that like a, oh. who is that? It's Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Yeah, right. JCVD. Come on. Never seen the, it. The cigarette, the cigarette breath, like practice, breath holding <sighs> practice scene is the coolest thing in any movie. Mm. Any movie. If you thought that was bad, you should see JCVD's Legionnaire. Oh. Comparable in quality. No, he plays a French foreign Legionnaire in the movie. Very good. Of course he does. We had a request for the pilot of Lost, True Lies, The Rock, Dawn of the Dead, either version. Catcher suggested a few good men, Crimson Tide. We came close on that one. We came close. I, you know, breast hacks. I did when we talked about Crimson Tide. <laughs> but as a group, we were close. Yes, of course. Megan, of course. Nobody, nobody call HR on me. <laughs> Somebody uh, said the uh, in the chat they were ready. GoldenEye. GoldenEye, never seen it. Never quote, saw GoldenEye? What? Quote, a- Innie Dalton, never seen it. Oh. Uh, Casino Royale, The Martian, The Departed. Yeah. Then Catcher said Mission to Mars. <laughs> I did. Why? He because was trying mission, to salt salt the game. He was trying to get. Mission, he was to, mission cool the to Mars is awesome. Mission to Mars is awesome. And is that about Kilmer? No, that's the other one. Oh, <laughs> Red. That's Planet. Red Planet. Mission okay. to Mars is the one with Gary Sinise and okay. Tim Robbins, and if I recall. I believe okay. so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Jonesy ruled out the fountain. Somebody suggested <laughs> Indiana <laughs> yeah. Jones and the Temple of Doom. Give me the diamond, Lau, or anything I, goes. I haven't seen it in 30 years for sure. Yes. And then I said, what the hell? Let's do The Fugitive. Yeah. And that I, I was on board right away. This is an emotionally close movie to my heart. I'll, I'll oh, catch yeah. up with us later on when we talk about The Fugitive. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. get into this. So this is the 1993 action thriller classic starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, The Fugitive. Yes. Super excited about that. Before we get to that, Next week on Escape Hatch, Catcher returns. Hey, my pleas. Yes. My pleas were taken into serious consideration. I, I heard you. The people demanded. Um, so Catcher is coming and rejoining him from our Cloud Atlas episode is my old DM, Brian Mosley. And we are covering 1981's classic animated film, Heavy Metal. <laughs> You ever seen this, Jonesy? I, I, you know what? I think I saw the first ten minutes when I was at an inappropriate age. Yeah, yeah. And, then you and like, I think I, I was I'm, I'm removed yeah. from that scenario quite mm-hmm. quickly. Pretty quickly, yeah. Got it. I, I never went back to the well, but I understand it's a uh, cult classic. Uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, so stay tuned next week for heavy metal. How about if we do some hatch news? Would you like to know more? <laughs> hatch news tell us what's <laughs> happening in the hatch uh well first of all there are rumors that dune part two could move dates up or down uh rumors were that dune part two might move two weeks sooner to give it more exclusive time for premium large format theaters but what was it opening against? What's the real? Give me the dish. It's on its own. Mar- it, it, Marvels is a week later, um, but it, Marvels it, is not a big opening. Marvels no, is going to tank. 
it's in a great spot right now. It's just possible that it might move. Um, this is, you know, kind of in response to the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible 7 versus Juggernaut. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. And Tom getting frozen out um, of IMAX. All I will say is if this happens, somebody is going to have to negotiate with our event planner, the hotel where we booked the presidential suite for the after party. Oh, no. The IMAX theater that we have booked in San Francisco at the Metreon. It's going to be wild. Plus all of the, all of our dear friends and engineers in the, uh, in the escape hatch discord who have already purchased their tickets so stay tuned guys i think it's hopefully be they're one way not refundable <laughs> Th- that's where J- that's where jason is right now he is having strategic <laughs> meetings <laughs> with all the people at the theater to try and sort this out he's boots on the ground doing he's probably job. on with denny i mean honestly he flew them all helpful. out to the dolomites mm-hmm. and they're in some smoke lodge nailing mm-hmm. down the details right yeah there so uh so stay tuned we'll have more information on that when we get there Second piece of Escape Hatch news, I just want to call the Patreon launched right out of the gate. We had 34 patrons join us, uh, which was incredible. And we need more because H is retired. He's on a fixed income now. Yeah, exactly. We got to get get there. Uh, So there's so many of our dear friends who have been with us since the very beginning, some all the way back to episode one, and lots of people who were part of the Discord for the last many years. Um, so really want to say thanks to that and you'll hear a shout out, stick around to the end of the episode, uh, for the shout out. So you can, we can give a a proper tribute to those folks. So coming soon at the end of the app. All right. Are you guys ready to get into this? I've, I've been ready for going on 30 years. (laughs) All right, here we go. The Fugitive is the commitment to find justice, no matter the risk. Dr. Richard Kimball has it all. A successful career as a surgeon, a beautiful wife, and the respect of everyone who knows him. That is, until his wife is brutally murdered in their home by a one-armed man. Ignoring his claims of fighting this mysterious assailant, Kimball is convicted and sentenced to death. But when fellow prisoners disrupt the prison transfer in a spectacular crash and train derailment, Kimball goes on the run. Assigned to bring him back in, U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard and his team of specialists begin a relentless pursuit that will leave Kimball breathless but determined. As he uses his wits and expertise, he will conduct his own pursuit and locate the one-armed man only to discover that he's entangled in a more sinister plot than he could have ever imagined. Can he bring this man to justice and prove his own innocence once and for all? Or will he be hunted down and killed as the fugitive? Boo. Very good, H. Nicely done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jonesy, why don't you go first? What was your, you know, what was your first experience with the fugitive? So I don't want to get all emotional, uh, or vulnerable with the three of you and our, and our audience here. Uh, this is only episode two. So yeah. So, uh, my mother in 1992 had a massive heart attack Mm. to which back then there weren't a lot of hospitals with cardiac units. So, uh, she was flown to Temple University Hospital in Philadelphia. And I remember distinctly getting pulled out of school, which was like the first time it ever happened to me. Sure. Uh, 
shout out to St. David's Parochial School in uh, downtown Walgrove, Pennsylvania, to no one will know. Uh, but I remember that it was so hectic in the days and weeks to follow, they didn't know what to do with me. They couldn't mm-hmm. take me down to the city every day. And they weren't, it was at that point, the cardiac unit was so new, they wouldn't allow more than one family uh, member there. So my dad kind of had to be with her every step of the way. And the fugitive raised me for like a week. Mm. It was like my whoopee. And like, I was a little too young to be watching it, but like, and I remember the movie being like five hours long, even though it's (laughs) two hours and change. But um, so now this movie has become like really my whoopee. Huh. Uh, so when my, uh, my father died in 2007 mm-hmm. and I watched this movie like every day for a week just to have mm. that feeling of comfort. And I did it again with my, when my mother passed in 2017, I also watched this movie every day for a week. So mm. it's, it's, it's like this weird cornerstone or keystone or touchstone, whatever you want to call it in my life. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. My, my wife knows this very well. And this morning I was finishing up my rewatch in the, in the kitchen kind of doing the dishes and watching it. And she she's freezes. Like, she's like, what happened? Well, what? first of all, she, she was kind of like peeks in and then she goes, why are you watching this? You could quote this movie. You haven't seen it in a couple of years. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. She's like, yeah, do you even need to waste your time with this right now? I'm like, probably not. But I, once I start, I can't not finish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. That yeah, is amazing, Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So taught you how to be a man, taught you what it meant to be a man and, and help to really. Yeah. Defy authorities. Uh, yeah. Make your own rules. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Seal Award. I've been working on that one for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that, Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for uh, having me on for this episode. I think I've been waiting to talk about this movie my whole life. Good. I'm so stoked. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. And Catcher, what about you? Yeah. I have, I have maybe the most a complete opposite version of this, which is like, I, Watched it for the first time, I think, last year. Hmm. Um, just having always known it, like when you go to the movie rental, you like that cover. I, I know exactly what the cover of the poster of that movie is. Like iconic, obviously. Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford. But yeah. it's sort of a weird thing. Like I, um, I just never wa- – like obviously I watched Star Wars as a kid. But I never had that same connection to it that everyone else does. I never watched Indiana Jones growing up. That was never <laughs> a thing. Sorry. Yeah, no. So for me, it was like I never really had that like real passionate love for Harrison Ford in the same way that so many people do. Wow. Um, So I've just been slowly like I regarding Henry. No, no, no. Mosquito Coast, the witness. Mosquito Coast, yeah. Air Force One. Air Force One, yes. I never saw that. Never seen it. Okay. Um. So yeah. Get off my plane. Yeah. Okay. He's just awesome. And Somebody like, had to I'm, say it, H. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's my story. So this is the second time I've seen it, and I'm really excited to talk about it because I love Jonesy. And I love Catchers. Catcher, we're, we're about to celebrate 12 years of friendship. Catcher it's might what? be the first paper kegger besides uh, Dale and Slim to hold my infant son wow. that summer after he was born. Yeah. How drunk was he at that point? Me or the, or the baby? I, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were having say? trouble drinking actually because me and brad tried to set up the keg and i think we yeah screwed it up. Oh, yeah my no. brand new kegerator i remember that i had to call somebody to repair it after your your delicate <laughs> machinations us canadians <laughs> yeah that's right um all right so so for me this movie was big as well in 1993 
I was 23 years old. And in August of 93, I got married and I went for my honeymoon with my ex-wife. We went to Tahoe. Uh, and if you go to Lake Tahoe, at the very top of it is a really small uh, town called King's Beach. And they have these great little cabins and the beach is right there. Um, mini golf, like just like we did this really kind of like 50s classic honeymoon trip. And I found around the corner, there was a comic shop. And this was right when Nightfall was happening, like Batman, mm. you know, getting his back broken. There was a lot going on and, and Death of Superman was about to kick off. Um, and I remember just like that was kind of in the air. And then we went to the movies to see The Fugitive. Um, just as an afternoon excursion. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. It made me put down, I was reading the Windows NT 3.1, uh, you know, administrator's guide. That In was a my, movie theater? No, it was my, no, it was my holiday reading while oh, we were on, on vacation. It. But this gave me a nice chance to, to break from that and, and get into it. So freaking awesome movie. Um, let's talk some behind the scenes here. So first of all, this is obviously based on the television show by Roy Huggins. Which I never saw a single episode of. Anyone here watched it? I was very intrigued to watch it, honestly. I haven't. I meant to, but I ran out of time. So I think Art, our friend Art, was a grip along season two, <laughs> if I recall correctly, 1951. Not, for, not from 63 to 67. <laughs> so so Roy Huggins, who created it, also created the Rockford Files. Oh, uh, Jim and Rockford. Did, and did Ma uh, Maverick, the uh, gambling movie with Jodie Foster and um, Mel Gibson. Another guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. The show ran for 120 episodes. It was nominated for five Emmys and it won Best Drama in the World in 1966. Um, it was inspired by Jean Valjean from Les Mis. That was the original idea of a, of a fugitive on the run. Other shows had done the wandering the earth and finding adventures week by week, but they'd uh -oh. never solved. Well, this was after. So no one had ever solved like, why can't you settle down and why can't you call the police? And so this had the perfect formula of him helping out, but also having to be isolated and then having to go run. So the Hulk and Kung Fu, you know, would continue to build on this. Pretty impressive show. I honestly, because I because I w assumed first that it must have been based on a book, because as we'll get into, I'm trying to understand why this man is so good at things, everything, yeah. at everything, He's just at everything. And so mm -hmm. I was like, okay, he must have a backstory. Like I need the novel. <laughs> like I need the prequel movie to this where you find out he's like a James Bond type secret agent or something. He's like, an Eagle yeah. Scout, uh, like, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's an Eagle Scout. Uh, let me just say one more thing about the show. The series finale in 1967 holds, as of today, the third highest rank all time of television household share. Stop. 70, Mash. 70, that's number one. Yeah. This is number three. 72% of all households watch the finale. Wow. Yeah, see, something about that, I'm very intrigued. I need to try and find out how to watch this. Because oh I was I, Hey, why tell me this? Because I don't want to go watch The Fugitive. And now yeah. it's only like 120 a episodes. And the, and, the, and the first three seasons were black and white, but the finale season is in color. How great would that be as a final season to bring that color in? Oh, man. It's been mind-blowing for the audience. 
So, okay. so in the midst of making the film, uh, there was some alternate casting. Jonesy, your take. Alec Baldwin, Nick Nolte, Kevin Costner, Michael Douglas. All playing whom? Oh, oh, oh could have been Kimball? For Kimball. For right, give me those names again. Alec, Alec Baldwin, Baldwin, bummer. Nick Nolte. Never. Kevin Costner. Could have been great. Michael Douglas. Of those four, Costner would be my dark horse <laughs> to be Richard Kimball. For all four of them, I'm just I'm just uh, Costner in Man of Steel. Just like step away. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Costner's too soft to play this character? Like he's too much of a nice guy. No, I just love Harrison. But that's what I mean. Harrison can sort of be. Mm-hmm. He's more of a rough and tumble kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Where like Costner in his heart is too pure. Hmm. There's something about Kevin Costner's performances that always have too much gravitas. To them mm, sometimes. Okay. Okay. Uh, it just mm. IMO some simple boys' opinion, uh, but Harrison has this almost timeless, like man out of time, like one of the greats, yeah. like Bogey. Yeah. Like there's something about him that transcends that kind of thing. And I, H and I, uh, you know, sometimes we DM between him mm-hmm. and I. Catcher, you were there too. This movie and Harrison in particular. Every actor doesn't play themselves. Like, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is Tommy Lee Jones in every movie. Harrison mm-hmm. Ford can be Harrison Ford in every movie. Mm-hmm. He disappears into this character. I think they yeah. all do. And that fascinates yeah. me on this rewatch. Mm. Yeah, I like it. And I, don't know if, I don't know if those four names could have brought that. Definitely not Michael Douglas. I mean, I love Douglas. But uh, for, let me just say, for Gerard, they consider Gene Hackman and John Voight. Gene Hackman would have been acceptable. So Dr. Nichols was recast after Richard Jordan, who was in Dune 84. He was Gurney Halleck, and he was in Logan's Run. He had a brain tumor, um, oh, and and he actually died like two weeks after the film was released. Oh, my so God. So rip, rip to that legend, um, but the, the guy that stepped in did a great job. So it now, was Harry. Hey, I don't, I don't want to call you out, but I thought Gurney Halleck was uh, Captain Picard. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um Oh my God, that felt God so good. Does anyone have a cigarette? God damn it. <laughs> so Richard Jordan, who was in Dune 84 and Logan's Run, obviously in Dune 84, he played Duncan Idaho. Of course. Um, of course but he right. fell ill with a brain tumor and he died. Oh, the, the chat has already been correcting us like <laughs> Thank AI. Thank you, Megan. I uh, see that now. In terms of filming, it was Harrison's idea to shoot in Chicago where he grew up. And I didn't know he went to college in Wisconsin. Uh, so that was wild. I think the last thing I'll call out, they only had 10 weeks to edit, mix, and finish the film. So they set up seven editing suites at Warner Hollywood Studios and had a team of editors cutting around the clock. Oh, Oh those people need to be congratulated because their final product was amazing. I I can't argue. I can't argue with that. Yeah. They got an Academy Award nomination for editing. So Uh, they they all got nominated. Is that the most efficient? Editing of all time, only to be rewarded by the greats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Budget, $44 million. Worldwide gross, $369 million. Of course. Made all the money. They loved Insane. it. Insane. They ate it up. Seven Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture. Tommy Lee won for Best Supporting Actor. Was it, he did so well. They made a sequel to this movie, and I think yes. I did the same quote in 70 millimeter. They made a sequel to a movie based on a TV show that had no sequel. 
Right, oh. right. Yeah, that's how never seen. That's it. how popular Tommy Lee was in, that in this role. role with Sam Gerard. Is it good? No, it's not. It's not good at all. No, oh, no. U.S. Marshals. Marshals. No, it's, yeah. it's never seen. Yeah, it. I mean, if you could, it, to compare, it's a totally different film, mm. like totally different, even feeling and pace genre. But a young RDJ. Oh really? Movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Is it another? Fu- is it another fugitive story? Yeah. So this time, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so ridiculous. This time, Blade is the fugitive. It's Wesley wrongfully Snipes, yeah. convicted. Okay. But Blade is. A, I'm sorry. Wesley Snipes is a ex special forces know it all. Oh, there you go. In this. Okay. okay. And uh, RDJ plays this kind of. Uh, he's alone to the U.S. Marshals, or he's a U.S. Marshal from a different branch, and Tommy Lee kind of mentors him, and not to okay. spoil a 30-year-old movie. No, 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 don't spoil it, don't spoil okay, it. Okay, I won't. Don't spoil we it. We might cover it. We might week. cover it, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, listen, let's get into this movie. I think we've got enough preamble going on. So first of all, you know, very much on brand with Escape Hatch. This is our first cocaine reference, I think. The credits here, they kind of start out very simple, and then it's like, Harrison Ford. Tommy Lee Jones, the fugitive. I love it. <laughs> it was I love so it. much. It's a it's a bit much, but it feels very classically nineties. Yes, like, the sound of this movie is like quintessential to me. Like ninety, well, I see nineties, right? This yeah, came out, ninety-three. Right? Yeah. So, Catcher, talk to me about like uh, you know enforcing those 90s thrillers vibes Mm. with the black and white flashbacks yeah i'm always touch and go with the black and white flashbacks but like i think it actually works well here and the way and that they implement it that way and then it keeps coming back in his sort of like dreams and his him trying Mm -hmm. to remember so it sets up like that language like Mm -hmm. that film language early enough so i appreciate it yeah i appreciate it it just felt super '90s to me, and I oh, yeah. and I I dug it. It this certainly this is not a style of movie that gets made uh, anymore, which is a shame. Honestly, yes. Like there are moments in this that are like, it's just like they're funny. It's like it's serious. It gets everything. It's a movie that could like the script is doing so many good things. It's playing so many good, like it's um, tapping into so many great things. It's just like a good middle movie, which is like. They don't know how to do that anymore. They well, don't they don't just do it because it won't make a billion dollars. So why make right, it? Right, right. Yeah. No, it's true. Exactly. Uh, so we cut into real time here with a fundraiser flashback. And so my first note was just the beard. <laughs> yeah. He looks He looks so good. Has a man ever worn a beard like that? I mean, it's it's got its own charisma. <laughs> like it's it got does. its own gravity to it. The beard is a character in the first act of this movie. Honestly, it is giving some kind of energy, and like part of me feels like it is towing the line of I've been in the bush three days <laughs> longer than I expected. Right, like right. and it's towing that line, and I, I was like, do I hate this? Do I love this? Do I hate it? Do I love it? And then when he steps out of the house, like in the next scene. And he's got that jacket and the white t-shirt on. Yeah. I was like, okay, I love this. This, I love this. I get, I understand this entirely. I feel like that was a Harrison choice. And, uh, what's the director? Andrew Davis wasn't. So let me, let me get, let me give it to you. So Harrison, 
Oh, you For know. years, Harrison had wanted to do a film with a beard. With a beard. Oh, no, and, no. And the Warner Brothers chairman, Robert Daly, blocked him saying that people wanted to see his face and they wanted to see his face was not changing as he was aging over the years. What and a ridiculous finally, note. Completely. And he finally relented and allowed him to do uh, the beard. God, imagine if he would have had a beard like this in Dial of Destiny. Oh my God. Don't start. Well, him in the stubble in Temple of Doom mm. is like, I actually, Fantastic. I finally understood the sex appeal of this man. I was like, oh, stubble works for him. Mm. But the beard is also good. Mm. I I like all of the stuff at the fundraiser. You know, there's little hints that are being dished out. And obviously going back on a second watch, it, it has a lot more weight to it. But he and Seela Ward are terrific. She's great. Mm-hmm. I like this. I agree. So now we get into the interrogation room. We have him. He's been arrested. Um, You know, we've gotten the little flashes of him fighting the one-armed man. Um, But Harrison is really good here. And when they're pressing him about his wife here, he says, You suggested that I killed my wife. You saying that I crushed her skull and that I shot her? How dare you? Like, he is going for it. I love... There's a bit of physical acting here, and I'll try to describe it, but where he takes his left hand, and I, of course, yeah. everybody look, tunes into a podcast to see somebody do a motion uh, mm-hmm. to each other on the screen, but like his left hand shakes real bad. Trembles, yeah. It is such a beautiful piece of physical acting that adds to this scene. Mm. And he goes so hard, it is, and it's very non-Harrison, if you think about it. Like, how often do you see Harrison try to go for this type of range? And I don't know if I remember a performance like this of his, maybe the devil's own, he gets close. Uh, Maybe in uh, a clear present danger, he plays a little unhinged. But you really don't see it that often. I really appreciate it this time around watching it. Jackal 47 says Mosquito Coast, which obviously River Phoenix film, we're going to do it eventually. Um, And I haven't watched it in a long time. That was, I love that that movie um to me this is his second strongest his number one performance for me will always be hands down blade runner um i think the emotion that he shows the vulnerability the fear the anger um just for for a replicant he's incredible <laughs> not true but don't listen this to one, that sass but in in this movie age what yeah. do you think about him it's great. No, I love it. I, okay. I really, I, I love, I love the vulnerability and the determination, um, and the capability. I think he conveys all that uh, very, very well. So he is taken to trial. This conviction, this trial and conviction, seemingly takes like five minutes. Yeah. Well, it's like I feel like they do lead like some breadcrumbs throughout the script that like you realize it's not just been five minutes; it's been like a year or something at least. Since sure. the whole thing's gone on. But yeah, they do kind of like, let's get you <laughs> let's get you on the way to prison as quickly as we can, please. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. They know what you want. They know what you want. For sure. It's efficient. And I appreciate it from a film standpoint. It just felt kind of funny. Like uh, this kind of thing today would be like a five-year saga going back and forth and appeals and, and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it was just a simpler time. Can I be honest? Please do. A better time. A better time. I I love me me and Jonesy. We could wax poetic about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Sure. All day oh long, man, right? I love a long movie. 
But we need to start being more efficient with our oh, frames. Yeah. We need 90 minutes, get in, get out. This this like designated has to be two and a half hours long. It's unnecessary. This is an hour fifty three, so it's a night. I mean, this this t- we'll get to it uh, a little yeah. bit later. But I think that this could have been tightened up even further. But sure. it's it's less than two hours, which is which is good. Actually, I don't think this movie wastes a single breath. <laughs> Not really? a frame. No. <laughs> Uh, so now we go to the prison transfer and the credits resume. This is 13 minutes into the movie. The credits resume, uh, to finish, but we have the bus, um, and we know there's going to be a breakout that's going to happen here. Um, you guys probably wouldn't recognize Richard real, uh, who is guard shithead number one, who like runs away and height changes his story. Oh yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a big character actor. He's a big character actor for me. Most famously, that very year before he was in the Star Trek episode, The Inner Light, that Cayman was named after. Uh, he oh, plays nice. Bataille uh, in that episode, so I will always see him as that. But that notion of him being a dick and showing Kimball as being a hero so strongly is awesome. So good. That part. Uh, Jonesy will have tons to say about this, so I'll just quickly say. Okay. Just the whole thing is brilliant. It looks beautiful. The way it actually conveys who this person is, who this character is, mm-hmm. sets his moral compass is set. It's all brilliant. But Jonesy, please. Well, I do want to uh, say that as we go on this, uh, uh, through the movie, there's like great, ca- not quite cameos, but like early performances from a lot of great actors. One that many people not might have picked up on, but the, the sheriff who initially could see investigation take it over from? Well, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 just okay, punt that right. for a minute. We'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Chat, we'll, chat, protect me. No, no, no. It's fine. Chron- we'll, chronological order. Yeah, okay. yeah. We'll, Sorry, we'll, I was one scene ahead. I'll uh, yeah. I'll just walk off a short pier. Well, listen, I'm not going to jump by the train wreck. Like, yeah. Okay. This, so right. so the train barreling down. The intensity. Him getting the guard out to save his life. And then the shot, which is one of the most iconic shots in cinema of him if jumping. It's not the most iconic. Yeah. Better than Star Wars. Stop. No, I just want to see the look of <laughs> face, H. Please go okay. ahead. It was Kroll uh, topped. So when he jumps <laughs> off that train and this entire thing, like the rear projection work that they do in this film, it's like they took what Cameron was doing in T2 and took it to an entirely new level. It looks amazing. Yeah. It does. And it holds up still. Holds up, 100%. Yeah. Everything feels dangerous. Like, everything feels Very. dangerous. Everything feels like any, like, they don't, they themselves don't know how this is going to come off the rails. Did they shoot? They, they must have okay. created some sort of. So, so hey, don't worry. Was, H has done the research. He's about to tell right. us what so happened that in, rainy night in Chicago so many years ago. This is in the Great Smoky Mountains Railroad. Uh, they were the ones that were involved in this. They spent $1 million. It was shot, they derailed a train, um, shot in a single take using a real train with a locomotive whose engine had been removed. Um, The wreck took several weeks to plan and was preceded by several test runs with a boxcar and a log car. Mm. And the wreckage from this train wreck can still be seen today. Wow. They left it there, right? Because it's like a dead track area or something. So it's just there. Mm-hmm. So cool. Like that's the thing. Like nowadays, it would be like I guess like Super Eight, right? Where it would just be this crazy CGI, like huge mess. And this is just like elegant. 
and it's just like this is what it would be like if you flipped a train off a car like it's not doesn't flip too many extra times even just the bus itself when that initially gets rolled off this and it just rolls down the hill mm. it doesn't explode into you know a million pieces and all this stuff it's just like everything feels like oh yeah they just flipped a, a train a you know train. what i appreciate too there's no slow-mo Yes. There's right. no like there's no like multiple angle shots. Like you could tell everybody was a little nervous that maybe the stunt wasn't gonna work out. Mm-hmm. And that's just mm-hmm. a feeling I get. And I, I had thought that single take thing was a myth. Because mm-hmm. that was I remember hearing about that even back then, pre-internet days, that they oh, had really? done it all one night or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Um, Catcher, I just want to check you on one thing. Uh, Please do. That's why we come here, to get overproduced. For for Tenant, you know, (laughs) Nolan Nolan took a 747 and crashed it into a building. So, like, there is still- What? It, there it, is pra- still practical. A practical stunt? And yeah. people yeah. allowed oh, that after 9-11? Yeah. 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 Oh, well, it was on the ground. It was right? on the ground, Josie. It just rolls into the building. I never saw Tenet. Spoilers. Okay, oh, watch, yeah. they watch roll, that. They roll a big plane into a building. Okay. Uh, it's very cool. It is. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, most, if unless you're Christopher Nolan. Right. You don't get the money to do that. Right? Fair enough. So we don't get to see that kind of like big practical. I take your point. Effects anymore, you know? It just, it just makes it, it just makes it feel nice feels and great. like even um like as it's coming like when he is, jumps out just as it comes like all of that never like a lot of times in film in a in a lot like that they'll stretch that moment out yeah where it's like back forth back forth does he jump when and this it's like no it's coming and then he jump and that's that, it the, just the, the scene feels so well edited in yes that way. Yeah. yeah agree agree it keeps the heat up uh, and doesn't gild the lily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really yeah. nice. So he is freed by the other prisoner, Copeland, and it's time to start running. So he is on his way, and we have U.S. Marshal Sam Gerard. Mm. We have Joey Pants Joey as Pants. Cosmo. You know, and to- you know Tommy's arrival. My, 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 my He's just his instantly. He is on his shit. Um, and the fact that he comes out there and he does not immediately take control, he eases his way in and he lets this shitty sheriff, who was the boss, uh, kind of run the show for about two minutes. Okay, may I? May I go all H on you real quick? Yes, you may. So uh, as you guys may not know, Nick Searcy uh, played the sheriff uh, that will that gets ousted by Tommy Lee. He himself would play a, a deputy U.S. marshal on the hit show Justified. He played uh, Chief Marshal uh, Art Mullen. Okay. So you all just got aged. Good show. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually only found Justified last year. You watched the whole thing? I did. I, I uh, what do you call that? Binged it. Yeah. So yeah, created good. by Graham Yost, who also created and showrun Silo on Apple TV Plus, which we're big fans of here. Mm. Um, and also the new season of Justified is coming out this year. I think they're calling it a revival. I don't think they this even call it a revival of oh, Justified. They just make up words now. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All words are made up to quit for. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so the way he seizes control when it happens, he says, listen, listen up. up, ladies and gentlemen. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, four miles an hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. 
What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. Love it. Just awesome. Okay, so, Jonesy, this is a movie that yes. you love. Deeply. It is. So dearly. But tread carefully. There is there is a through line through his character that it is a t- he's a touch goofy, right? Like there is yeah. a theatricality to his character, right? Like that's I'm I'm not trying I'm not like being No, whatever, no, no, just, no. So I get the impression that he must have shadowed some deputy US marshal that he is basing some of this on. Sure, uh, yeah. And also, what I would to your to one hundred percent to your point, uh, drink uh, is the group, his martial group um, with the Jerry Van Dyke and and uh, Joey Daniel Pants, Roebuck is a Daniel Roebuck. And they all they feel so comfortable mm. and tight knit. Yes, from Jump Street. 100%. Like I don't need any backstory. Like it's yeah. it feels so right. And I wonder if there was a little bit of team building going on prior to filming that they were so comfortable with one another. We talked about this with with uh, with Ryan Condal when we did Aliens. Aliens was the first movie that perfectly nailed, here's a squad, and between H- Hudson and Hicks and Vasquez and Drake and Frost, mm-hmm. like you know Apone, like they were instantly so well done. And now that's like a that's a template that everybody tries to do, and oftentimes it's really overblown now in Hollywood. They do too much characterization of minor characters to build. This is a perfect uh, evolution of that from Aliens. It's not as as aggressive, but it works so well. Yeah, I, and it lends the kind of humanity to this movie that would not have been present otherwise. Yes, yes, uh, which I think is super important because it it also generates. And I, the word I kept coming up with it was like B-roll footage mm-hmm. of every time they're together. It's outside the main story, but the way yeah. like yeah. the way he mic checks people in the helicopter feels real. Mm. Uh, the way he asked um, uh, what the, the ponytail kid, what, and now I can't remember because yeah. I'm talking. Asked him for uh, why don't you think me up a jelly donut? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. You're thinking <laughs> like there's just stu- Newman, uh, just all these these great things that that create this web of humanity that really is like a third dimension to this movie that, that like to imagine now, uh, this, mm. you know, 12 year old boy life is in chaos. Yeah. No one, no information coming my way. I get to have this little family experience while watching this movie. And it's this, still, you can I hold on to it all these years later. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I could, totally agree. I mean, yes, a hundred percent agree. Just that tight knitness that like the naturalness, you feel like you're in on like inside jokes and all, and you know, and you get this vibe like that they've lived in characters 100%. Totally. Yeah, he- uh, Hex quoted Hinky, uh, which is <laughs> a, which is like this one off line. Hinky. <laughs> what does that mean, bitch? Hinky. I don't know, strange. Weird. Well, don't you say strange or weird? I mean, Hinky, that has no meaning. Well, we say Hinky. I don't want you guys using words when I mean, you got no meaning. I'm taking the stairs and walking. <laughs> As if he's been doing that, like as if they're yeah. always doing that, like they're always right. just saying all right. this stuff. And it's this just is just the latest iteration, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally, totally. Uh, so Kimball does manage to make his way to a hospital, and so we have an autodoc scene where he works on himself to sew himself up. 
I still have never seen Master and Commander, which apparently has a infamous uh, scene of Paul Bettany, I think, uh, doing this. So that's got to happen. Um, my notes just say, my God, Harrison's body. At 50, still body by Jake, looks great. Is he 50 at the 50 time of this, in this. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I, doesn't look a day over 49. Yeah, he is one Biden years old right now. Um, so 106? Mm. Um, so <laughs> the shower, the shave, him keeping it cool with a cop yeah. on the way where the cop says. 6'1", 180, brown hair, brown eyes, beards. Anyone like that around? Every time I look in the mirror, pal. Except for the beard, of course. Except for the beard, though. Yeah. When he steals that old man's sandwich. Yes. Like breakfast eggs and. It's like, just shoving egg. it in his mouth. Yeah. But then mm -hmm. he also like he goes and grabs the juice. Yeah. And like you can see him like contemplating like, will I need this? Yes, I will need this. Puts it in his pocket. Like there's little moments like that where you're just like you can see he's thinking like, you know, you can see the internal monologue going on inside their heads. And we're totally just like, OK, this man is. Even the way he uh, like um, fusses through all of the drawers to find the medication he needs, like mm -hmm. he feels so confident in like, okay, pulls this out. This is okay. I need that. This I don't need. Like a doctor would be. Like it feels very natural that he's like a doctor who's entered this space. The confidence the, with which he moves through the hospital, he knows what he can get away with and what he can't. Totally. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That is actually that's a super interesting thing, right? Because he is used to walking through the hospital like as the king right. and having complete uh, you know complete autonomy and he has to try and make himself more invisible he has to try and make himself smaller and kind of blend in um and the way that he has the intuition to do that i think is a, a great character trait which just quickly to throw back to the interrogation scene mm -hmm. and just him being arrested at all. Yeah. As though the head surgeon at a hospital would require the wealth of his wife as if he's not making enough money on his own. Like that that's a cool like that that's a necessary uh like that that, that but they, would be they call that out later. I love what they call it out. And they're like, so you think that he Gerard, killed her yeah, for money? Yeah. yeah, and right, the cops right. are like, "Yeah, but she was more rich." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, but also like, if you have, if you're married and you have a bank account and your wife dies, like you still have that bank account that you had before. So it's like, right. what are we, what are we talking about? Chicago's exactly. finest. Well, but, that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, in exactly. the scene in the hallway where he gets stopped by the the uh, sheriff's Cop, deputy, yeah, it's yeah. kind of put up these um these posters, whatever. Harrison's ability to manifest panic, yes, under the surface, yes, is so good. It's mm -hmm. flabbergasting mm -hmm. because it's almost like he's only showing the panic to us, yeah, and yeah. not the deputy. And it's an oh, amazing, multifaceted performance. Mm. Ooh. Oh, I love that. That's very good. Mm. That's very good. It's also this this portion of the film is just complete desperation from him. Like he is so on the run um, in this phase and he knows he's just barely ahead of them and he steals this ambulance. Um, I love it. Gerard finds out there's an ambulance that's been stolen and they jump into their helicopters and he says, get out your maps. So yeah. they're going to navigate from helicopter by map. Like there are no iPhones. There's no GPS. Catcher, could you could like, could you make that work? 
from a helicopter looking <laughs> at a road. Helicopter? <laughs> I couldn't do that from my own house with a car. There's no way. Uh, <laughs> my dad growing up is like obsessed with maps. Okay. And like he like when when I did that cross country trip last uh, last summer for the restaurant. Oh he yeah, just yeah. Went to like our CAA. You guys have AAA. He CAA. Yeah. And he just gives them the destination, and then they print out these giant custom maps for you. Wow. And that is that. He is the happiest he ever gets to be when he gets to get those. Wow, um, so that's cool. Maybe if he has notes in his, I'd be able to do it. But otherwise, I'd be lost at sea for sure. Mm. Uh, um, but just quickly, the ambulance. Yes. The whole scene with the ambulance sets up this ongoing thing in the movie where he runs into the guy, the cop yeah. that he saved, whose yes. life he saved. Yes. And he notices him and sort of like outs him, basically. And he puts and, a mask on his face to, yeah, right. to block Ex- him from talking. Right. But obviously he gets inside and tells someone. Yeah. And it, it's this thing that happens throughout the movie where he has where he makes the right choice to do something good always yes. bites him in the ass. Totally. Like it always ca- – it's when they get to catch up to him is when he does something nice. Yes. And that's – I think that's fa- a fascinating, like, character thing and speaks to the power of, like, a really smart, well-executed script where it's, like, every scene is doing something important. And it's, like, yes, he ha- he ca- he can't not be kind, considerate, thoughtful of – people you know everyone is a patient he's not changed like he is still his humanity and his compassion is still right there at the surface yeah and i just it's perfect little things like that it's not showy but like if you're paying attention you realize it's like his failures his biggest failures in escaping are always when he does the most good i think that's really cool i wonder if that's a callback to the show like that's why he's going to move on every episode. He does mm. one. He's a good Samaritan. That, that's that's part of why they made him a doctor for the show, because that allowed him to have a really easy entry for whatever episode he's like rolling into. Explain town. his altruism. Yeah, there can always yeah. be a medical something happening that he can that he can that help he can out save. with. So right. smart, super smart, and and smart to like then apply that to the movie in this kind of specific way which yeah. is sort yeah. of like smart adaptation uh, that's a that's a layer i had not yet uh thought about so thank you for that but, I, yeah. but then, I also oh go ahead great uh comedy moment when they're in the uh the helicopter and i feel like it's like tommy lee jones open mic night yeah they were just like <laughs> just give me like 10 lines and he like yeah. i think by accident he's like oh he's hauling ass like it even t- <laughs> what he's looking down the- <laughs> i laughed out loud this time but like uh, you know, he is trying. Kimball's trying to get away in that ambulance. He's only been out of that hospital for five minutes, and the helicopter is up and behind, and yeah. he is fucked. They are on him. They are at the dam and landing the helicopter in front of him, and he is on the run. The desperation yeah. is incredible. Mm-hmm. How well they they drive that. But now we get him running into, you know, jumping into the little sewer portion of the dam. Maybe the most famous sequence of the movie next yeah. to the train is this yeah. part coming up. So, so uh, you know, Gerard says, we gotta go for it. and this is where I took my notes um, because Gerard is leading his crew. Kimball is running. He throws his jacket down the other tunnel to kind of try and do a fake out. This setup of this film of two infinitely likable infinitely capable, amazing protagonists in conflict with one another is brilliant. Yeah, it's like unstoppable, like an immovable object. In, <laughs> unstoppable that, force, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, same thing, totally. Uh, 
Incredible. And just like just going back to like the like the team aspects of it, mm-hmm. where he recognizes that it's the like he's snuck under that grate. Yeah. He goes there and he sort of kicks it up to realize, okay, he could lift it and get under. Yeah. And then like not him, but like Joey Pants or somebody else is the one to grab the grate and lift it up as though like Tommy Lee is not Right. He would right. not be the one to have to lift this up. <laughs> yeah. Like he's not doing that kind of labor. They do that. Oh, well, he, he had his gun it. though. He was like he was in position and like Yeah, down. but you know, he could have, but he chooses <laughs> not to because he's got hired, you know, not hired hands, but like, you know, they know everyone's role is let get him moving. Yeah. Get everything out of the way out so of the he way. can do his job, you know, yes. that kind of thing. It's great. Yes. All right, so now we have the most iconic moment in the film, and this is where he finally comes head to head uh, with Kimball, and you know this standoff in this area. So first of all, this is shot at the Chiowa Dam in Deals Gap, North Carolina. Although portions of it uh, were shot in Chicago's uh, tunnel and sewer systems, but just the intensity of the moment and him reaching out as a human being. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Dude, that character mm. concept of like, I'm just a, a tool. Like I was reading up about the like the show and stuff, and that was the same sort of premise was, listen, I don't get to choose who's guilty, who's not. I'm just a part of the law that gets, act, like, you know, they just put me out to do my job. Mm. Yeah, they're warrant be, officers. That's right. it. I can't they're only here to bring in. This. Yeah, right. they're not yeah, exactly. traditionally right. detectives. Right, right, totally. Uh, I, I think that this particular scene uh and again this is a a nuance that i'm only really getting into there are a couple moments in this movie i think that are meant to set you up to think that maybe gerard won't let kimball off the hook or he will use lethal force at any moment to give you a sense of jeopardy for kimball's life urgency yeah that i didn't get until maybe this most recent rewatch because huh. in my in my head you're welcome as a kid sam gerard is a hero right, so, right. you know as you as a kid all cops are heroes whatever i mean not nowadays but back then in the 90s yeah. that was the what you felt and um same thing so you're like this time it's like oh they're setting it up to be like maybe harrison won't make it or maybe there'll be a tragic ending mm-hmm. to this movie mm-hmm. and i think this this moment here where he threatens uh kimball he's like i don't care you know he's he's there's no problem with shooting a guy. Now you're like, oh, okay. Now I get it. Now I get what the, what they were thinking when they filmed this particular scene. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah. So that showdown, and then you know him telling him to turn around, get on your knees, uh, and then him jumping. The jump. I, I mean, it's obviously radical, right? The idea of, of jumping that that far. Uh, but him in the water, uh, floating downstream in the river. I just kept thinking like. This must have been so cold and so miserable shooting this. I would, I would hope he's got a wetsuit under that, that suit of clothes. Man, I would think. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that the method, the old actor's trick? You put a skin tight wetsuit on underneath whatever you're, you're wearing. I would hope. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I do love the little detail of like <laughs> Gerard and his crew can't figure out how to get out of the dam. They're oh like, my they're, God. They're, they're like pissed. again, slice of life. Right. Tommy Lee Jones open mic night. How about when the, he's like, come walking down the, the he's like, I want dogs. I want dogs here. I want dogs here. And he's like, Sam, he's dead. It should be easy to catch. And why isn't that water off yet? Like he, he's just, it's, he's teeing off. That whole scene of him 
barking orders is incredible. It's I want a helicopter like, 100 feet right now. Now tell him that there's a wire. Be careful. Yes. Like Tommy Lee is is reaching into his mind. Yes. Like all the things he could have, he's ever related to that cops could have access to are just <laughs> falling out of his mouth. Like as yes. it's it's a, I'm sure it's the script, but like it I it need feels, dogs, flashlights, helicopters. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Kitchen sink. I need everything. Like it's it's incredible. You can tell it's like He's internalizing what's going on, and then that internalized thought is coming out in speech. So he's like, okay, I need the dogs for this. He's not specifying what it's for. Right. In his mind, it's like, this is what it is that I need. So dogs, and then we need this, and then we need that. Just But it's all sort of falling out of his mouth as he's internalizing the thought. It's great. It's great. Totally. I didn't realize how much I love this movie until we started talking about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get you there. So then, I'll get you there. So, so then we cut to the night hunt, right? So the darkness falls. So Jonesy, first of all, what, what can you tell us about the cigar? I'm sorry? I'm not, I'm not smoking right now. The cigar that he's smoking? <laughs> oh, I, I honestly, I don't know anything about the cigar he's smoking. I am a cigar smoker. I know Do you're you? an aficionado. Yeah. I just, it's a full size. Yeah, I mean- is this the catalyst? Yeah, good no. question. No. <laughs> is this the catalyst? Is it? No, it's not. Are you what sure? What is that? You tell but me now, what is. Maybe it is. Maybe this is a, okay. a brain worm. There we go. My whole life, and then when I was um, old enough to be, you know, um, Sam Gerard, I would be smoking a stogie. I'm telling you. I yeah. wish I knew the, the trivia for that cigar. Oh, Lord knows, I probably smoked whatever brand he's smoking. That's what I was thinking. All right. So Gerard bails out. It's time for them to jump in a helicopter and head back. They've done everything they can there. And he goes after, takes the team after Copeland. They get a lead on him. So first of all, what's the deal with this elaborate hobo, you know, cover story? Okay. Yes. That that seemed a little silly to me. Yes. But if Fashion houses do not start implementing secret U.S. Marshal or like tags into clothes in the next year. They've they've wasted it. That is the coolest. When that, like, they just start pulling signs out of secret compartments in the jackets. Mm. That was so cool. That was so cool. Now, I don't understand why they're doing it, but it doesn't, it looks So they don't get shot by another law enforcement agent who doesn't know who they are. It's for, it's for, I think I, I think to I believe yes. to ward off friendly fire. No, I get that. I just I think the question uh, H has, and which I also do, which is like it seems uh, the setup for them raiding the house seems a little elaborate. Right. Why don't they the just? Situation. Yeah. Why are they going through the? Okay, I got you. Yes. Yeah. All right. So Megan, editor's note. We'll see if we if the story makes it. I got to check it for clearance. But I was at a five-year-old birthday party on Saturday. Did you sign um, an NDA from, for this five-year-old Sam's, birthday party? From Sam's school. And one of the dads there is an FBI agent. Um, and he is used to be in counterterrorism and is now in oh. organized crime um, and is doing fentanyl busts uh, as well as other drug-related Yeah, Megan, busts. just realize you're going to cut all this. So he was describing how they would get they get fully geared up for action and whatever, AR-15s, full body armor, all that stuff. But their goal is always to catch the person off guard. Like they know what his hours are. They know what his routines are. They know exactly what the location is. So they'll like get in the hallway and be in position. Um, and then hopefully when that person walks out the door and just sees them standing there, they're like, okay, you got me, which happens most of the time. 
Um, and then sometimes it has to unfold in a different way. But that concept of what it is like to go after a bad guy in that scenario is is quite gnarly. So in this scene, I think this is kind of connects to what I was saying earlier, where he, he kind of kills Copeland in cold blood to protect uh, Newman. Like Again, I think this is the movie trying to tell us Mm. Kimball's not safe. Mm. And I think this whole, I mean, like, there's like, if, I mean, I don't want to kowtow to H's producing, but if there are minutes that could be cut from the film that don't affect the outcome, the Copeland bust mm. is, can, yeah. can hit the, the editing report. But I think it was really important to the director to say, listen, Harrison Ford's not safe. Like, this whole, like, you, you think because the mo- the show ended with whatever, like, don't think that it could, yeah, pre-internet days like this is a good strategy to keep an audience guessing as yeah, to what it, might happen. And it's not just that he'll kill Copeland, but that he'll put his own man in danger, like that close yeah. to danger. Like obviously, he feels he's in control. Nothing gets but, away the mission, right? Yeah. No, no, no. That, but, but his I mean, teammate, the his safest teammate. in his mind, that was the safest option was to take out Copeland without turning it into a negotiation or giving Copeland a chance to do anything. Right, but like putting his gun so close, like to his man, like that also is putting him in a certain amount of danger. Where it's like, sure, whatever it takes, even his own team is is like in some way uh, disposable if it means getting the job done. You know? Yeah. Can we talk very briefly about this low rent Matthew Lillard? Who's oh that? Newman, I love that guy. I don't know if he's done anything else, but he will always <laughs> have a, a near and dear place to my heart. He's the one character. That I just don't understand. Yeah. Like it always, I'm always like, we something about this. Like he has some funny moments, like earlier with the get the coffee and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he always just seems like the one who's sort of floating around the most, as opposed to the rest of the team. They feel more solid. He feels more floaty a little. But Jonesy, you're right. You're you're right. Like Gerard, uh, you know, he is mad at Gerard for having done these shots, and he's worried about his hearing permanently damaged. And Gerard says, Can you hear what I'm saying now? Yeah. I don't bargain. So, like, that is the clear establishment of him as that threat. Yeah. And uh, I love the, the they cut to him on the phone. I think it's the next scene where he's talking to whom, whoever's bosses. Where he's like, mm. he's like, no, yeah, don't yeah, be, yeah. Mad at, be mad at me. I shot him, and then he hangs up. Hangs on up on him. If I ever hung up on my division manager, I would hung up. I would hang up my career. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. So Kimball heads back to Chi Town. Um, we have a whole scene with the marshals doing this whole sound analysis with all these, you know, great jokes that are that are kind of running around in the midst of that with the big dog. Um, but we have Kimball heading to Cook County. Hospital. So this was the setting of ER. Oh, really? Yeah. Which, by the way, ER created by Michael Crichton and showrun by John Wells. Yeah, showrun by John Wells, uh, who did West Wing uh, uh, and ER and lots of other stuff. Mm. So he goes to the prosthetics lab because he's trying to get data and try and figure out who the one-armed man might be. So the size of this prosthetics lab, it's like a full floor. It's incredible. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely bigger than I would have ever assumed yes. a prosthetics division to be. But yes. that's great, isn't it? It's a nice thought. The score in this yes. movie. Yes. It's like I don't know what the name of the track is, but it's like Kimball's hunting music. It's like did it yes. and they replayed it a couple times in a movie. I remember it 
capturing me. It is the engine that drives this entire movie. Jonesy, you're act. right. You're right on time. Your timing is impeccable. So this is the detective work montage um, where we have parallel investigations happening. Kimball's doing his investigation and then Gerard and his crew are doing theirs. So the score by James Newton Howard, who did Pretty Women, Glengarry Glenn Ross, Waterworld, Dante's, Dante's Peak, never seen it. <laughs> the Devil's Advocate, The Postman, never seen it. Six Sense, Costner work. Unbreakable, Signs, and Nolan's Batman Trilogy, and ER. Oh, was that a start, maybe? Mm. And Wayne yeah. Shorter on the saxophone. Uh, the two of them had worked on Glengarry Glenn Ross, a lot of saxophone uh, on that as well. A lot of reverb, like a lot of echo. Mm. A lot of echo in this soundtrack. Uh, like, which, that is like 90s, very 90s. Yeah. Like, reverb, lots of echo, like, big, like, big sound. Very, big time. Yeah. Not like Nolan big sound, but for that time, yeah. Right, right. Um, the So the montage, the way the, when the cops go and interview his friends, or yes. like his colleagues, the way that which they speak about him is like, is like he's a god. Yeah, yes. they're all like, like just to preface. He is. I believe he was innocent. And he's right. smarter than you. Yeah. Way smarter than you. Like uh, Jane Lynch <laughs> yeah. is like yes! is yeah. perfect. Like the way she she they just revere him in this yes. way. It's like they know that's when I started questioning, like, is there a book? Because I was like, I need to know well, who is this man that they yeah. love so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just he's a kind person, I guess, is the concept. But like to me. It speaks to a much more complicated, interesting backstory that ever gets touched on hmm. in this movie, in the movie itself, and it just had my imagination like running, running wild. Yeah. Is H, uh, put on your IMDb trivia hat. Is this Julianne Moore's breakout role? Okay, hold no. on. We're, we're I don't just think give me, so. Just give, me ten, because... give me give me twenty seconds before we get there. We're we're, okay. all, we're almost. Oh, then I just keep I keep railroading it's, you right it's now. It's fine. I just I just wanted to say. At this point, the movie has made a dramatic shift in the first, uh, from 12 minutes to like 35 minutes, it is a relentless pursuit and Kimball is desperate every single minute and on the run and being chased. Here, the film has shifted to, he's in control, mm -hmm. he's yeah. choosing his environments. It's almost noirish. Like, yeah, it's very cool. He's up and running now and he's got his identity and he's, you know, making moves. So I love that. This is similar to uh very this cool. is very similar to the show where you could imagine him being on the run and being established and and doing his thing. So, my notes then say, "All right, Julianne Moore, let's get into it." Yeah. I love that I whole sequence where he saves the boy. A vision. Yeah. What are your other hobbies? Brain surgery? That was a line that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Shortcuts was also in 1993. Um, that was the first film that made, like, I saw this, obviously, but Shortcuts was the first time I saw Julianne Moore in a film, and I was like, oh my God, who is this woman? She is, is she the hottest lead woman who has in ever Shortcuts? been alive. One of, yeah. Okay. Because she gets third billing in the credits. Very so, small role. So that's why I'm like, seems kind of crazy <laughs> That Julianne Moore, whose role is so small, would get third billing on credit. So that's yes. why I thought maybe Wait, third she billing must have been in this movie. In this in movie, this movie when yes. the credits, Seal Award. Yes. The, yeah. 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 When the when the credits roll, it's like Harrison Ford, 
Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Go right. We'll pause it. You can go. Yeah. It's. Cr- I was shocked. So that's my assumption is she must have had a career before. She like, didn't get the credit. It's Julianne Moore. Like that That didn't happen. Two minutes, 15 yeah. seconds tops yeah. of screen time. Somebody Google that for me. What's the actual screen time she's in this movie? Right. She also had Safe um, around this time. It was incredible. And then it was only, a, I think, two years later that we had Boogie Nights. And then- that, I feel like Boogie that. Nights was like the launching pad for her, what, like her blockbuster career. No, it but was. I thought it was like a thing that she was there, though. Like by that point, it was like, oh, we've no, got No, no, no. This was like yeah. definitely like her just kind of making her way. Interesting. Um, so she was not. She was not really fully, fully up in a rocket. So third billing, Julianne Moore. That's, that's profoundly disturbing to me. So, so Jonesy, you called out. He can't stop himself hearing. Uh, you know, helping out this kid. Yeah. I, I teared up when he was like filling out the chart, and he can't oh, help yeah. himself but sign oh sign God. his doctor's name, which is ir- you know illegible. Oh. My dad was a doctor. Um, and that same kind of crazy but handwriting. He's got such a bedside manner. He's like, "What are you, a football Incredible. player, baseball player? Where's your mom?" You know, you know. He like, oh, all, all he that touches was so his face. Yeah, he yeah. touches his face as he leaves him. You're like, "This is a man who cares." This is just a, he. He's and he just tells cares. that doctor, like doctor, and boom, like here, and he and he opens the chart and hands oh, it to her. Oh, he flips the page. So she can yes, you yes. See that? That's another great uh, physical acting that great Harrison touch. does in this. Great touch. Yeah. Great touch. See, uh, and, and again, again, it's like. He can't help himself to do this really like this thing, and it's what gets him caught again. Like it's right, yes. Like it's he can't help himself. Yeah. I love it. I, okay, he's, he's awesome. sitting in that hallway. I think probably watching the the prosthetics lab or whatever. He's on mission, and it, remember he's like check the film. He's like yeah. trying mm-hmm. to like help through yeah. osmosis. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, terrific. All right, so now yeah. it's been it's been two and a half minutes. So Julianne Moore is now out of this film. Yeah, um, third billing. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, that'd be six hours worth of work. But he has successfully now narrowed the list to a handful of people, and he is uh, kind of knocking them off the list. And so we go to him heading to like the local downtown lockup to go look at one of the prisoners and see if that is his man. He goes there. It's very dangerous. And Gerard is also tracking down the numbers of people that mm-hmm. could be suspects. So this notion of them running into each other on the stairs. And I just want to say, Tommy Lee Jones in the tie, Ugh. the blazer, the red scarf. I wish and I the could jeans, recreate this look. He looks mm. incredible. My God. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Jesus. He does. On the cover of Playgirl magazine. I'll tell you what. Mm. So they head outside. Oh, sorry. Before before they get outside, he goes full auto fire on Kimball. Like he shoots at his head. Yeah. All, Even all when the he falls. bullets in his clip. Yes. Yeah. A little aggressive. Well, I think that's just as we've established another touchstone of Kimball's not safe. Yeah. He's so close. <laughs> he is now even closer to the point where it's only like millimeters worth of glass is stopping him yes. from, from catching him like the way that they catch his foot in the door yeah yeah oh it's so good it's so it's so but good. i tell you what he's an he's a crack shot with that he thing. should have shot him in oh the yeah foot. yeah he, he should have shot, shot the foot the uh but he, he went probably could have hit it yeah, yeah. the way oh, his, yeah. his groupings were oh yeah. yeah it was definitely solid so they run outside right into the saint patty's day parade this was of course filmed during the actual parade on Wednesday, March 17th, 1993. 
We see Mayor Richard M. Daley um, as part of that parade. In addition to this film uh, shooting there, Michael Apted's Blink uh, was also filming during the exact same parade. Which film did better? The two camera crews had worked out like schedules and they still ended up running into each other uh, during their shoots, but it was just awesome. I love this scene. This scene is great. It's like, it's not like, you know, it's as simple as put a hat on, take a jacket off, like, and they capture that craziness so Mm. well Uh of just like, okay, well, where is he trying to keep up with him, blah, 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 and he sneaks out and... and Oh, that sneaking out scene, like that forced perspective almost, Mm -hmm. where like, Tommy Lee Jones is like three steps behind him. Right there. Had he not chosen to exit, the game's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so like, nerve wracking. Yeah. The camera's on Harrison, and then it's like all of a sudden you realize, oh, he's there. And right there. Like, yeah. Okay, he yeah, just kind perfect. of, appe- he kind of an apparition from right. like three people behind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we have the press conference. So I love this notion of they do the press conference. He gives no answers to anything. He is just like no comment. Um, but somebody was calling out one of the, uh, newswomen was Pam Zekman, who I guess is a local Chicago native. Um, but the other newsman is David Paschesi, um, who I was like, who is the hell is this guy? Why do I know him so well? He was the husband in veep. He was the veeps, uh, hobby. And he was so fucking funny in that show. He's Andrew. Yes. (laughs) The total shithead. I've never seen veep. Oh my god! Yeah, you should you should watch it. It's it's it's, it's, my wife and I enjoy Veep. It's it's definitely a married couple show. Ooh, fun! No, no, you can do a solo. It it is one of the darkest, funniest television. You cannot watch that show. Emma needs to be with you when you watch. Uh, We can't watch anything unless it's together. So that's good. It's perfect. All right, so we're now moving towards the uh, conclusion here. So he breaks into the one-armed man's house. It's Sykes is the name of this guy. He finds out he was a cop. He reviews all of his taxes. Yeah, uh, and that scores and... back. Do, 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 <laughs> totally. May, uh, Meg, can you cycle that in? Can yeah. you snip that and cycle that in? <laughs> the We have the ties of it being part of the fundraiser. Um, and so he brings Gerard you know, basically gives him the clues to come and find that. And I love that Gerard is immediately like, this guy's dirty. Yeah, he could smell it. Yes. Big dog's got a scent. And Joey Pants as well. Cosmo is like, yeah, this guy's definitely dirty. But now we know that uh, Lentz, who we saw at the fundraiser, was killed in a car crash. And so he goes and he gets the liver samples. So this is where we definitely get all of the kind of like procedural this stuff is now like the bread and butter of television, right? Like Law and Order, sixty-five seasons or whatever um, that that have been. But this was this was like what the '90s were about. Law and Order is actually the show after The Fugitive came off the air in '63. Yeah, what Law right Order season one? Exactly. Uh, this is, I think, the only now maybe watching it a couple more times I'll be more forgiving. But I feel like this is the only part of the movie that just doesn't feel super locked in. Where it just feels like things are, maybe this has to do with like the 10 week editing time and you've got seven bays and you're getting through the cut, but it just feels like where, where everything else was very simple, streamlined and straightforward. This is a lot of like juggling, you're juggling a lot of ideas and concepts at the same time. Yeah. Story-wise, it feels to me like the, the samples uh, section might've been planned for earlier in the film, 
But when they went back, it made more sense to kind of shoehorn it in here mm. as more of like a pot boiler. Like, hey, we're getting close because right. the reveal of the who the antagonist the antagonist is comes from that um, investigation. Well, that's right. right. This is this yeah. is how they tie it together to the overall theme of like what happened and why is this all happening. So, so this script was written by David Twohe, um, who among other things did Julian Sands Warlock. Waterworld. Oh my the god. The arrival. Has uh, anyone the, ever talked this much about Waterworld on a podcast ever? It's like the fourth name drop. 70, 70 millimeter. 70 millimeter yeah, covered. They did a whole episode. God, uh, god bless them. Pitch Black Chronicles of Riddick. Wait, he wrote these movies? He wrote all of these. And okay. I think produced once it's Riddick, he's producing all that stuff and making infinite money. Yes, mm. rest in power, Julian Sands. So here's what director Andrew Davis said about Twohe. He said, quote, I couldn't talk about this because of the Writers Guild, but Tommy Lee Jones, myself, Harrison, other people we were close with, we especially came up with the whole plot about the pharmaceuticals. They were uncredited writers. Oh, the Devin, Devlin McGregor. So it yeah, seems wow. like a bunch of this stuff the central thrust of like what is the actual crime syndicate behind this was all made up on the fly. And that makes total sense to me, yeah. honestly, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. That, that, it just feels so much less efficiently told yes. than the first two thirds of the movie. I'll tell you what sells it is Harrison's yes. speech in, in the, uh, the reception. Okay, oh, we'll get when we'll, he walks in. I, listen, we'll, I know. We'll get there. Hey, we'll get there. God, if you rein me back like <laughs> a wild stallion one more time, I'm chomping at the bit. Thoroughbred. We're so close. All right, so he gets to the subway. Sykes follows him onto the subway. We have a great fight where Kimball, the guy's only got one arm, so Kimball just totally toasts Manhandles. <laughs> now that I can see you. This is my stop. It's my stop, yeah, too. Neil Boom, Flynn hits the brakes. In a cameo. Who's that? Neil Flynn plays the transit cop. Who's Neil sequence. Flynn? Yeah, Neil right. Flynn, you'll know him as the janitor in Scrubs, and he was also in- uh, Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Not Malcolm in the Middle, but uh, in the Thank Middle. You. Yeah, 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 great, yeah. Uh, Thank uh, great character actor, comedy actor, but uh, plays it straight as a cop in this mm. movie. Mm. And now we arrive at Dr. Nichols giving his dinner time conference speech announcing RDU-90- and yeah, this way that he calls him out, like in a very, you thought you were going to get away with it. Um, yep. You switch the samples. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone who comes Didn't into like a wedding and they're like, I you don't only think move the thing. headstones. <laughs> but nobody goes to protect Nichols, even when, no. uh, even no. when Harrison shoves him from behind. Everybody's like, yeah. I'm not, it's okay. These guys are just working it out. He just bullies him off stage. Yeah, they're not like, um, what? Yeah, totally. That's a good point. Nichols yeah. is pretty smooth, though. Yeah, hey, my friend's yeah. having a hard time. You know how he is. Like, let me just go deal with this. Hey, uh, and oh my god, Harrison's delivery of the word provasic, where he yeah. like shakes, does another <laughs> hand move, is like provasic. I, I couldn't get over it. I, I just that speech is the fugitive. Let's just let it simmer. Is this the greatest movie ever committed to film? I mean, it's a good one. It's, it's a damn, good one. It's Joseph. damn good. It uh, is damn good. I can see why it, it, it has extra X levels. Nichols for you, Zinke. Sorry. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, this fight in the presidential suite and up on the, the roof, the fight. Um, Just on the Sorry. elevator, on the laundry level. Like this guy's going to beat Indiana Jones. Like, come on, it's a little. Hold on, it, though. 
I have to say this about the, and this is not normally my vibe because I'm not a very like masculine person. I disagree. I'm quite, I'm I think your machismo of, exudes. Uh, I pre- I appreciate that, but I myself don't really feel this way normally. And like, but there's something about the way that these two men, who are just doctors, but they yeah. fight each other and like as like men. You know what I mean? There's something like very like manly, masculine, like. Of this time period, where just like even even surgeons who are so careful with their hands to do yeah. the most precise work can just yeah fight mm-hmm. man to man, fist to fist. Like there's there's something very like uh, uh, like old school, but very like sort of almost romantic about these two dudes fighting it out. It's like yeah, we just we just use our fists to have these arguments. I guess you know, I guess like, Nichols has definitely been doing Tybo, uh, you know, so he's like he's ready. Sure. Tybo. Uh, He's of all the throw, things you could have named <laughs> to throw hands. Hey, this is the nineties, you know, like those yeah. Tybo, not a martial art used for combat, but it's we okay. end up, we end up down on the laundry level. I love the notion that there's an entire level of a, ho- of a hotel dedicated to laundry. Um, but it, this scene kind of goes on for a little ways. We have ultimately Joey pants takes a girder to the face. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, Nichols is about to shoot Gerard and Richard saves him. Uh, The music swells. uh, And as they take him out and put him into the car, he removes his handcuffs. Gerard removes his handcuffs. Relents, finally. And Richard says, I thought you didn't care. I don't. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. And credits. Brilliant. I I mean, this movie is so tight. Mm. I just I and I, you know what I didn't need uh, at all. I did not need a any kind of epilogue. I thought mm-hmm. that was the perfect way to end mm-hmm. the movie because really, it, the the movie after the the train sequence is about the two men. It, it's it's about yeah. they're they're kind of. Uh, they're dual journeys that take it honestly are the same journeys, right? They're both kind of thrust into an investigation. No one planned for, right. uh, they co they kind of both don't figure it out to the last minute. And then they both end up taking down the antagonist. Like it's it to end it on them, I think is the right move. I think if, it, and I thought about it today after, uh, the credits rolls, like if they would have shown Dr. Kimball's, you know, eventually first date with Dr. Ann Eastman. Yes. Yeah. Like, or, or, or like they're he getting married. They're definitely acquitted. getting married, but you don't need to see right, it. Right, the acquitted especially. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Because in the end, truthfully, there's no way he doesn't also get like like charged for oh, yeah. all the other right. But that's uh-huh. not but that's not important. Like this, Escaping like from said, prison still a felony, whether still, you were innocent oh, or the other. No, 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 but that's it. But it's like that's the truth, <laughs> right? That's the yeah. truth. But that's not the truth of the movie. So it's no. like we don't need to show it. There's no point in faking it. Right. Yeah. The story, like you said, well, Josie, is like it's about these two guys going on this yeah. on these journeys. So end it with them. There's All no good. need to ex- ground it and explain it. It's yeah. done. The story is done. We and don't need I, a hat. We don't need a hat on a hat. We got right. it. You yes. got we, it. We got it. Catcher, who would Tilda Swinton play? Okay. In the fugitive. I was thinking about this, obviously, because that's the part of the show. I was thinking she just plays the wife. Normally, we try to uh, give her wow. like, the big, the big crunchy rolls. Of course, but I think 
she would have just sold that phone call maybe a little bit better than what <laughs> we get here. Um, Richard? And, oh, yeah. Right, see right. Richard? <laughs> oh, bless her. She just All needs right. her husband. So that's I it. like it. Yeah. I like it. Jonesy? I, I think my my first answer would have been Joey Pants, but I think Newman would have done it for me because she could bring mm. this kind of um, temerity to the role, especially mm. when, and, and the <laughs> what he said. Don't let him give you any shit about the ponytail. Yes, <laughs> I, I could. I now I just it it catalyzed or crystallized my that. mind as Tilda just then. Love it, love it. I'm going obviously with Cosmo. Your first instinct was yeah. my last instinct. Mm. Like I would love to see her giving shit to Tommy Lee Jones all the way through. Um, I think would be incredible. We did it, you guys. Should you we can. do some letters real quick? Feels good. Yes. Yeah, hit me the letters. Uh, and uh, listen, uh, I, if anyone has naysayed these letters, just if you could dox them privately to be in DM, so I can go, you know, just take the person out for a chai tea and tell them why they're wrong about the fugitive. This is a safe space, guys. So you can send us your letters, and it's oh, fine. Be, just so, before, just, just before kidding. the letters, just before the letters. Is he? Uh-huh. Is he kidding? Is he kidding? Yeah. Um, him using the broom to pretend that he is dusting <laughs> oh, the God. inside blinds <laughs> is probably the best comedic part of the whole thing. He's just so haphazardly holding That's great. the broomstick. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. That's all. I'm sorry. I couldn't. I again, Harrison's physical choices in this movie, profound. Yeah. Very good. Um, so listen, we have a new email address. So you can email us at letters at escapehatchpod.com. You can also send us your voice memos at four, or you can send them, attach them there, or you can call us and leave us a voicemail, 415 534 5211. Be like Ethan, who sent us the email subject line, The Fugitive. Hey guys, forgive me, still unable to send a mail of the voice variety. The Fugitive is a default movie. Some guys is on the run, thrills and emotion, and so on. I've watched it once, and it certainly was a film. I'm sure it was great or something. I was probably 13 and being roped into it by my parents. What's a movie you only watch because your parents or family liked it? Bonus points if you had to watch it multiple times or, you know, it sucked. Y'all have children. I'm sure you've been forced to watch some seriously terrible stuff over and over again. Yours forever, Ethan. P.S.H. Is, contra- is H. contractually obligated to read whatever's in our letter? If so, glarbo, glarbo, foingus, dingo, bus, wah, 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 bingo, blongo. This is Anchorman? Is this an Anchorman bit? I don't this know. This is an Anchorman bit. This is an Australian bit. So, uh, so. Ethan, thank you. What movie were you guys roped into watching? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. My dad loves that movie for Christmas. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I could, I am, I at the time could not stand black and white movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm about okay. to blow your mind right now, Catcher, because that's Ooh. my answer too. Yes, my I, wife, really? my wife watched that movie every year for Christmas. I had never seen it, and when we were first um, courting, you know, when I was courtner back in the day. Um, uh, I had to like meet her family and then watch It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. And uh I was like, fuck, if I hate this movie, like oh, excuse bleep me out, Meg. I'm sorry. It like 
it might like not going to be invited back for Christmas right. next year. And I actually, I love it. We actually, I actually quote it all the time. I, in fact, I, I always say like, where's the money? Give me the money. Where's the money? <laughs> I, I say it all the time. So That's I good. very grateful for yeah. it. Nice. Life. Nice. For me, it was Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander. Oh my. The, the 1982 three hour and eight minute tale of two young Swedish children in the 1900s who experienced the many comedies and tragedies of their lively, affectionate theatrical family, the Ekdals. Whoever showed that to you saved you from watching the television length version. So be happy about that, at least. Fair, fair enough. Ethan, <laughs> thank you very much. All right. You know what time it is. The Truth Sayer. Okay, I just popped a couple of pervasive pills, and it's truth-sayer time. <laughs> this time we're going to focus on the legendary it's Tommy Lee Jones. I did a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, and doghouse for Tommy Trivia. Found three stories about this legendary and curmudgeonly Texan. Two are false, one is true, and none of them are about his Harvard roommate, Al Gore. Truth-saying time, number one. Mm. Tommy Lee is a first cousin of Boxcar Willie, the famous country singer and champion of old-timey hobo music. Number two, Tommy was once pulled over outside of San Antonio doing 100 miles an hour with Emmylou Harris in the passenger seat. The cop let them go with a warning. Or number three, Tommy's younger sister Charlotte had a son born without a left arm. The kid is a doctor now, and as of this recording, has not murdered anyone. Which one of those three stories is true? Mm. Holy shit. I'm going with number three only because I've been burned multiple times by not choosing the most insane option. I'm going number two. Number I two. Was, I like number two only with the- Amy Lou? But I feel like maybe, because he, what, these, they're always trick questions. Okay. Uh, yes, I'll go with two. Sorry. Okay. I'll make this longer. Yes. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. What a legend. Okay. Which one of those stories was true? It was- Number one, Boxcar Willie is Tommy Lee Jones' first cousin. I like to picture the two of them at family gatherings. Boxcar would open two cans of beans with his pocket knife, and then the two men would eat those cans of beans without talking for 45 minutes. Here ends the truth saying. Beria, we love you. Thank you. And you guys. I have a, a Tommy Lee Jones truth saying, if, if, if okay. I may. Uh, Please, I I have a six degrees story from Tommy Lee Jones. He portrayed Ty Cobb, uh, a famously yep. terrible person, a baseball player, who is uh, my uh, not uh, not descendant. What's the other way? I'm descended from his line on my my father's He's your side. Ancestor is uh, my grandmother is I believe his first cousin. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. So Brooks Amazing. was their family name. Wow. We need like a Jonesy awesome. ancestry YouTube yeah. short where we just explore. Did he have the map of Ireland on his face? Uh, that's my mother's side. The Gannons <laughs> okay. from County Mayo. They would have the map of Ireland on their face. Believe me, I still have okay. it. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much, Biria. Listen, who's next, you guys? <laughs> it is silly. Oh, wow. Gee whiz. Look at here. You know, we're always fascinated when we find a seat zero with no zero in it. What's this week's movie, son? The Net? Where's that co-host at? I don't know. Care to revise your schedule, sir? Uh, what? Do you want to change your bullshit movie, sir? We might not do The Net. 
it might not do the net. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. We're needing the episode to run for 90 minutes. Average movie year covered by our new release is 1984, <laughs> give or take 20 years. That gives us a 20-year window. What I want out of each and every one of you is a letterbox search of every Blade Runner, Highliner, Roadside Diner, Casino, Nostromo, Palomino, Enterprise, Discovery One, Heil 9000, Gibson, and Flauston Paradise in that time frame. Oh my God. Recording starts in 15 minutes. Your podcast name is Escape Hatch, but may have used different aliases. <laughs> Go get them. Awesome. Wow. I have to, so it's silly. I demand complete honesty. How many takes was that voicemail? It was a one take. Are you kidding? I, if it was a one take, I mean, no, I that's why sure. I know a little bit, you know, a little uh, true saying from, he's a Olympic medalist. So it would not shock me for him to do all that in one he's take. He's typing. He recorded the lines in chunks. We got the truth. All okay. right. It's like point fight, fighting, silly, right? One point at a time. You got to take Rhyming one point The part at a time. was one take, though. Well done. Amazing. Well done, silly. Amazing, silly. Beautiful as always. Here we go for our next voicemail. Hi, Escape Hatch. It's Kev here. You know, if you were to make a list of my most anticipated episodes of this show, number one would probably be Little Shop of Horrors. Number two <laughs> would probably be, at this point, Bob Fosse's All That Jazz. Oh. But number three would easily be The Fugitive, the quintessential Saturday afternoon cable TV extravaganza, an opening credit sequence that feels like the trailer, action beats that stick with you for weeks after you watch the film. A finale that's maybe like 15 minutes too long and, and would be later <laughs> homaged by the structure of the movie Minority Report. I love hmm. The Fugitive. We watched it in the Chuckle Hut the other night. I loved it. Fell in love with it all over again. What a picture. Kev's question. Uh, number one, I would like to give Catcher uh, time and space to talk about the first two episodes of End Just Like That Season 2. I know that there uh, used to be a space for that, but there isn't one anymore. So you. here's my gift Thanks, to you. Man. Kev's fugitive question. Is there a classic television show seemingly forgotten by time that would make for a movie maybe even half as great as this? If so, what is it and why? I know a lot of things get rebooted lately, so this may be tough to pull off the dome, but such is the nature of Kev's questions. Thank you, H. Thank you, Jonesy. Much love to you. Thank you, Kev. Much love to Catcher. Infinite love to Jason and the editing team and the Chuckle Hut. And I'll talk to you soon. Ooh. Once again, it's Kev's questions. All right, Catcher, what do you got? I'll buy bud? you some time for his question. Thank I'll God. Just, yeah. Um, okay, so. <laughs> you have 20 seconds to talk about it. Okay, no, that uh, first episode, great, right on form, <laughs> brilliant. Second episode, Clearly, is just an episode f like full of setting up storylines that will sort of go through the rest of the season. So in that way, not like not a good episode, but you can see where stuff is going. Um, I watched it with Boom and Soph and a couple other people. Sophie counted like eight ongoing storylines in that for in that second episode. So it's it's messy, but the first one mm. felt magic and uh, costumes on point. So beautiful. So. Beautiful. Jonesy, what TV show would you reboot as a kick-ass movie? I, oh, God. I have no... I, I am totally blanking on this. Answer the question! I'll go. I'll go Swear I'll to go. me. Yeah, buy me some more time, Catch. I'll buy you some more go time. Ahead. Okay. I don't know how you would make it cool, but the only thing I can think of off the dome is this show that I used to watch on PBS called uh, 
Night was no, it was a Ghost Writer, where uh, it's there's a ghost and it helps kids learn how to write and read. Um, Are we about to rally about, catcher right now? It was all about. Oh, I like, know Ghost Writer. Okay, so it's all about like yeah. you know mysteries, solving mysteries, but learning how to write and read at the same time. And um, huh. if they could find a way of modernizing that, they tried and it sucked. But I'd like something new. That would be great. Catcher, I thought you were going to say reboot. Do not touch reboot. Reboot is perfectly <laughs> fine. They've done this twice now, and it makes me absolutely sick. It makes me absolutely <clears throat> sick. Just leave perfection alone. It's so good. Yes. Leave it alone. Yes. Quincy. Quincy, what is this in the Discord? Yeah. What is a dog? What is a dog that would have inventions? Oh, I'm sorry. I got distracted. Wishbone. Wishbone. Yes. Wishbone. Let's have a... Let's have a dark, gritty wishbone reboot. Um, Okay, someone put Captain Scarlet, which just reminds me of Thunderbirds, and I would like more Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds, I think has has been done. Yeah, but it was shit. All right, so I'm sure Kev is expecting me to say Alf, uh, which he's obsessed with, (laughs) but I'm actually going to go with 1985's Max Headroom. You could really do a great update of a an AI being that is a hilarious personality in a weird world. So I'm down with that. Nice. I am going to give you the most off-the-wall answer that I can because I do have two ideas that are plausible. But what about 1988's answer to Knight Rider Airwolf? What if they took that helicopter Ooh. show and made it good? I like it. Jan Michael Vincent. Jan Michael Vincent. JMV. Ernest Borgnine. Borgnine. The Borg. Yeah. Uh, Holy shit. I always remember they had great names on that. What's his name in that? It's like um, Stringfellow Hawk. I just came, That just came out of my head. No, I it would have to it. be like a CG recreated, uh, AI generated board game. Yeah. Like it's that is it. the AI he of would, the helicopter. He'd be the computer personnel, yeah, of course. Yes. And okay, I think but that the helicopter bell, stunts have to be real, though. No CGI yeah, practical stunts, only, practical real, real mortars, like in yes. the show. Yes. Uh, and they couldn't, that helicopter is way outdated. So they'd have to give you the a new type of stealth helicopter. Well, let me just say, like, A, we should be doing like, Blue steel, what is it? Blue Blue Steel the boat? Blue Thunder. <laughs> Blue Thunder. <laughs> Blue Thunder. Like as soon as possible. Mm. Roy Scheider. I think the Simpsons uh, did that great... as night boat. Remember that? <laughs> uh I I do have one desire, but what I desire answer. So I have from a young age read the Michael Connolly Harry Bosch books. And they did a okay. really good uh Amazon, believe yeah. it or not, Amazon did a really good prime Amazon, show. Yeah. Uh, but which is only maybe six or seven years old, maybe, maybe not even. I think if the Black Echo, the first book, was a feature film. I, I think it would be incredible. Mm. All right. Okay. Noted. Noted. Get Jeff on the horn. All right, here we go. Final voicemail. Cool. Hey, Escape Hats. This is Corey from Austin, Texas, calling about 1993. Overlong and I guess pretty good film, The Fugitive. Okay. I remember like really, really digging this movie when it came out. Um, but on a re- rewatch today, I was like, man, this movie just goes on and on and on. I mean, it looked kind of fun to be like on the run from the law. That, that was kind of cool. Um, I think, and this is going to not go, this is going to go against popular opinion. I'm not that big of a Harrison Ford fan. Ouch. I break it up. The problem with the audio. I, uh, in the, the first movies, right? And then I, I love Indiana Jones in two movies, the first two. 
Mm-hmm. Other than that, I could really care about the rest of the Indiana Jones series. And then, other than what, he's in American Graffiti. I like that. But, I don't know, Witness is okay. But all these other movies, I just really don't care for him. Blade Runner, of course. Sorry, sorry, don't forget. You guys start to sweat there. Jesus. Anyway, I'm just not a big Harrison Ford fan. Connelly Jones, on the other hand, I totally love uh, in many, many roles. And speaking of roles, who would Tilda Swinton play? I think she should, even though I love Tommy Lee Jones so much, play the U.S. Marshal, right? Mm. And then that way, she could also be in the sequel, which I've never seen, but I'm assuming would be really good with Tilda Swinton as the U.S. Marshal. And then I would also maybe like to see her play Tommy Lee Jones' part in uh, Black Moon Rising. And then also, um, uh, what is that, uh, in JFK. And then also, she should play the warden in Natural Born Killers. So, really, I'm just kind of calling to say that I think Tilda Clinton should play all the roles that Tommy Lee Jones has played. Imagine Space Cowboys, where right? it's like James Garner, Tilda Swift. I don't know. It's a thought. But anyway, uh, other than that, Love uh, The Fugitive, it's okay. I'm glad you guys covered it. And I'm really curious to hear what all the little inside stories are here. And uh, I'm looking forward to our esteemed co-hosts and their takes on it. All right. I love all you guys. Thanks for everything. See you next week. Mm, controversial. Now, I, I I would like to point out, uh, not only to the listening audience, the people in the discard, people at, at large, he did say he didn't like Harrison Ford, but then continued to name nine movies that he liked a bit. So yes, I find correct. that correct. suspect. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Let the record reflect. Catch Corey, him. just check out Six Days, Seven Nights. Oh my god. Catch oh, you're the geez. you're the other person that likes that movie. I thought yes, it was just never me. seen it. Dude, I yeah. haven't seen that movie in ages, but when I was younger and watched that, I was like head over heels for that movie. I have to oh. rewatch it. Wow. So by the way, episode three will okay. not be the net. No. Uh it will be uh <laughs> six, days, six days, seven, seven nights six days, with seven this returning nights. uh panel of judges. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, we'll perfect. see. Stay tuned. All right, Jonesy, what do you have to plug, buddy? Uh, so I've been recently um, doing this wonderful, uh, po- I mean, I, I think it's wonderful because of my co-host, uh, Fam. Uh, we do a show called The Twin Vipers, and we mm. are both, um, and, and the day we met, the, light, the sunlight Nation, through the window up. with the Snake Nation, we cover uh, kung fu, martial arts, and action movies. And we, um, I think Bloodsport, probably still my personal favorite episode mm. we've done, uh, but you know, we have a, a ton of fun doing it, and um, I, I love it because I'm reconnecting with all these movies that I, that I've seen. Or, or, you know, Fam has this incredible categorical knowledge of these movies, mm. and he's turned me on to some new stuff that is really blowing my mind. Uh, and if you like that sort of movie, if you're into kind of pulpy kung fu movies, but also want to branch out and find kind of these newer additions to the genre, check out twin vipers. We try to cover it all. And we, uh, we Y'all did the raid it. recently. Like you did you, the raid, the raid, you two. did like really abstract stuff and then, mm-hmm. and then kind of mainstream. And we just stuff. did, um, uh, the, done. uh, five fingers of death and the, uh, the five deadly venoms, which I had never seen before, but mm. totally blew my mind. Mm. And of course we're in our Ipmon journey. Yes. Uh, if you're Donnie Yen diehards, like I am, you know, come okay. on over. Well, so so the only thing I have to say is we're huge fans of Jonathan Tropper and Hoon Lee. So we have to ask you, why are you holding out on watching Warrior streaming now on HBO? It's available for free. It's the greatest martial arts television show <laughs> 
on the air right now. Jonesy, will you commit right now to watching an episode of Warrior this week? Because you're my friend and I love you and true love lasts forever. I will watch episode one and report back. Excellent. We will look findings. forward to your voicemail by Thursday so we can include it. <laughs> I have two it in children our... and I have to record it to Vipers. So let's you don't, just you don't tap the brakes. You don't yeah. sleep. We'll look yeah. forward to your voicemail by Thursday so we can have it in our heavy <laughs> Thursday, metal 2024. Episode. Got it. Quarter, fiscal, fiscal quarter. Catcher, what do you have to plug? Um, podcast still on Weird Limbo Hiatus. But that being said, if you're a listener to this show, maybe you're a new listener, you don't know who I am. Please check out Synonauts. Uh, it's mm. my podcast. Go back, listen to old episodes. Listen to so we have like a bunch of episodes there that you can listen to. We'd just love you to check it out. It's like one of my favorite things I've ever made. And mm. uh, otherwise, uh, Catcher C T C H E R Lives is my website. You can see like movie reviews and stuff there. Uh, some design work. I just was working with H on the new uh, H branding uh, for the skate patch. And mm-hmm. uh, really happy with how everything turned out. So you can see some of my other art on there. But yeah. Also, if you're new to Escape Hatch or formerly Dune Pod, you can go back. Catcher season one, episode three, our very first movie episode, Blade Runner 2049. Two episodes later, Call Me By Your Name, Little Women, Ladybird, Polytechnique, oh, Denis Villeneuve's amazing black great. and white film. Ansandi, Denny's last film, Escape from New York, where he stepped in with one hour notice, Cloud Atlas, Bones and All with Sophs, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Game Night, and now The Fugitive. Like, get in there, people. Yeah. And next week, Catcher, we'll see you for Heavy Metal. Can't wait. Very Do you like animated pornography? (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be your sound clip. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, actually, one of my favorite shows, uh, Aeon Flux from MTV, Liquid okay. Metal. So th- I'm, this is my vibe. So We'll find out. We'll find out soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank uh, you very uh, much. If I, if I could, before we cut out, uh, it, and this is important. This is Megan, a milestone. cut all this. Cut all this, Megan. In 12 okay. years of friendship, this is the first time Catcher and I have been across the mic from one another. 100% true. Our wow. first, first pos- pos- it, it, for the in- initial episode of Escape Hatch. This Keep is my it brother. It's uh, the, brother the initial, again. the first time we'll ever have our second episode of Escape Hatch is our first episode together. I, I have a single tear rolling down my cheek right now, like Frodo. Uh, yeah. Like, Yeah, the, but Meg, cut all this out. Cut it all out. <laughs> cut all this lovey-dovey stuff out. <laughs> I've been waiting 10 years of my life to do this. It's happening. It's happened. And that's it for this episode of Escape Patch. I'm going to thank Catcher and Jonesy for a fantastic conversation. Next week, Catcher returns and is joined by my old dungeon master, Brian Mosley. We cover the 1981 animated classic, Heavy Metal. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want and a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. Links are in the show notes. Escape Patch is a Tape Deck Podcast, John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher and our theme music was composed by Scott Fritz and Who's the Boss Music. 
The episode was edited by Megan Hayward of Edit Audio and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week. Shout out to these incredible patrons, our OG engineer patrons, some of whom have been with us since the very beginning. Andy Stone, Brother Kimball, Bryce, Boodle Dread, Derek, Corey, Catcher, Decline, Grugrux Dave, Hex, H. Hamill, Joach, Kev, Komandersky, Lindemann42, Matt, Mikey P, Mr. Java, Deep, aka Beria, Nexus9, NJ Boom, Pat, Ron, Siggy, Silly Oswald, Space Monkey, and Tim24Frames. We salute you and we thank you.